Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 603 of the Handgun World Podcast. I am Bob Main and thanks for tuning in to a practical show done by a practical de- guy. Well this week I have a guest, Dave Som, and that's about all I'm going to say right now because I'm going to reintroduce him once I get the interview started. I do want to remind you this show is brought to you by Keepers Concealment. They are the leading authorities on appendix carry. Their appendix carry products are fantastic. Spencer Keepers has got appendix carry down to a science. So check them out, keepersconcealment.com if you need a good appendix carry holster. And at the bottom of the front page of their website, they have a discount code there. So use that discount code and get 10% off. Also, if you need legal protection, which we're going to be talking about coming up in this interview, CCW Safe. You can check them out as well at the Keepers Concealment website, keepersconcealment.com, and a link will be in the show notes. Let's get straight to the interview. All right, my special guest is Dave Som. Dave has been a great contributor to this show. Dave, you've probably called in 50 voicemails at least over the years (laughs) you know and they're all good i mean they're all really good questions good comments so finally i got you here live and in person and uh, it's good to see you it's good to see you too bob yeah thanks for being on the show so i brought you on because my goal is uh to talk about what do you carry and why? And here on the Handgun World podcast, that's what I've been focusing on the last two or three weeks. And I, contend, I intend to continue to focus on that for quite some time. And I really enjoy meeting listeners, talking to listeners. So, Dave, what do you carry and why? Well, right now I carry a Smith & Wesson M&P uh, 2.0 compact. It's kind of a mouthful. But it's the, the newer version of the M&P in about the Glock 19 size, the 4-inch right. barrel. Yeah. And uh, it has I have a Trigicon HD XR uh, night sights on it. Nice. Yes. And uh, that's the gun. So why do I carry that one? Yeah, why so, do you carry that? <clears throat> so a long time ago, when I first started carrying, I, uh, I picked out a SIG 229. And I liked it. I liked the way it fit in my hand. I couldn't tell you why, but I liked that it had a hammer. You know, I, I didn't know a lot, but I looked at the Glocks and I was like, nah, I don't know. I, I like having a hammer. I don't know why. But um, so I learned how to shoot on that gun. And I had gone through various different training classes, um, you know, with Masada Yub, um, a few other people with that gun. And then, um, and I, but then at some point, I got a job working at Loomis, the armored car company. And they had a thing where they will do a loan for 600 bucks um, that you can use to buy a gun. And then really? you, just pay, you just pay it back like 10 bucks out of every paycheck. So it's wow, basically a free cool. gun. So that's pretty cool. And um, I noticed that my, my SIG that I was carrying on a duty belt, it was kind of getting knocked around on stuff. 
and it's it, not that that should matter because it's a tool, but you know, it's the first gun I ever bought. It I have a little bit of sentimental value, so I ended up getting an M and P um, Pro, and so this is the Gen One M and P's, and I would shoot that for qualifications, um, and I got pretty pretty good with that, and uh, and I would notice that when I would go and shoot the the qualifications for the armored car license. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would do well there. And then when I would get my SIG out, my concealed carry gun for practice, I noticed that it kind of would jump a lot more than I was expecting it to. The SIG did and, the SIG yeah. jumped more. Okay. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause it, it didn't feel like it was, it was, you know, snappy before I, before I was shooting the M and P. So I found that if I could just clench on it harder, then that seemed to solve the problem. But that that should have been a little bit of a clue that maybe maybe that the grip on that gun or maybe something about that gun was maybe not optimal. Um, so fast forward to a couple of years ago, there's a training uh, group of instructors called Primary and Secondary that are actually based out of northern Utah. Yeah, and they put on a training summit. Where you get a chance to take a you know instruction blocks with numerous different instructors, and that was a wonderful opportunity. I was able to go to that. One of the classes is taught by a guy named Chuck Pressburg, and his his kind of claim to fame is he wants you to, to be as accurate as humanly possible. And so, when we went to the class, we sighted in our guns. A lot of people had red dots, and so we were sighting them in at. 15 yards yeah and then we started doing you know mock qualification shots it would be like you have three and a half seconds to draw from the holster and get three shots in the black area of a b8 repair center which is about a five inch circle um it like 20 yards and then at 25 yards so we like three and a half seconds so how did you do I I could not get a group with what with my SIG? SIG with my SIG and it was like ah it was it was freaking me out I was very frustrated and at some point Chuck talked you know had a little talk with me after the class and he said listen you know whatever sentimentality you have some guns are easier to shoot for some and people for some people and I was like hmm, I thought about that and then the next day. To cap off the training summit, we did a little kind of mini um, IPSC shooting challenge, and I used my M&P Pro for that, and it was just easier. And I was like, hmm, if I'm going to be honest, yeah. if the goal is to hit the target, then maybe I need to maybe I need to reconsider this egg at least for a little while. Yeah, and those M&Ps are such sweet shooters, aren't they? Oh yeah, it's it's. I, when I learned how to shoot with the SIG, we would do the, um, you know, you'd pin the trigger and then do a reset. Yeah. And now the the, the thinking is kind of shifting away from that. But I noticed with the M&P, the reset, even the M&P Pro with the allegedly bad, you know, reset on the, the yeah. old M&Ps, you just, you relax your trigger finger and then it's reset. And then you just, so instead of going bang, reset, bang, reset, you just go bang, 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 bang. Uh, you know, and we're not saying that SIGs are bad guns. SIGs are fantastic guns. And some people 
um, civilians, law enforcement, even some military, they're able to make those SIGs work very well. And some people can't. Oh, yeah. And I and I have... I, I have plans to get one of the E2 grips for the SIG, where they're mm-hmm. they're kind of shrunken down, kind of like a grip reduction. Um, and I want to put that on my gun and see if that makes it easier. Because I noticed with, uh, you know, the bigger grip on the SIG, I feel like my hand is kind of stretched out a little to reach yeah. out. Yeah. Get that. And then on the M&P, it's a lot more. Um, yeah. You know. Well, what you're talking about is you're talking about the circumference of the grip. Yeah. The circumference of the grip on a SIG is usually a lot more than an MP or a Glock or a lot of the modern striker fired. Now, I'll, I'll qualify that by saying the fifth generation Glocks seem to fit people's hands much more than the older third gens. But I once had a SIG 229. Uh, I had the Legion. And I kind of regret selling it, but kind of don't. I was able to do pretty well with that, but I did notice no matter what I did, no matter how hard my grip was on that gun, no matter where I put my hands or put my fingers, I still had more muzzle rise with the SIG than I did with M&P or Glock or anything else that I had. Yeah. And, and I think there are definite advantages of those old SIG guns, like having the hammer when you go back into the holster. You the can hammer's cover it up. nice. The hammer's nice. So, so, you, so you're not going to accidentally shoot yourself. Yeah. And I've heard, I've heard people talk about, you know, in police situations, they, they have their double action and they, they go to aim and they start to squeeze and then the guy gives up. So they're like, okay. And if they had had a short single action trigger, they might have broke a shot. So there's, there's some advantages to that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But for right are. now, but for right now, the, uh, the M and P seems, seems to work pretty well. Good. Um, and, uh, uh, the reasons I like it. So again, if I'm being honest, I could probably get by with like a shield, you know, even the older shields with like eight shots, mm-hmm. but the M and P compact, it's, kind of the full size it has that 15 round magazine and it you know it is a bit of a security blanket i feel better having more ammo on hand um but it, the way that it, it fits my hand it's not too big it's not too small gives me a pretty stable platform to shoot from and then i don't have a red dot on mine yet so yeah. the the longer sight radius that's you know from that four inch barrel it does help to be more precise at longer distances. Which grip panel do you have on your M&P Compact? I think I put the smallest one on there. Yeah, okay. And that's what's beautiful about guns like that is compared to the SIG 229, you couldn't do that. The grip was the grip. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the old Glocks were that way too. The grip is the grip. You weren't going to, unless you unless you modified the actual grip, you weren't going to do much with it. Yeah, yeah. So and and with some of the other the other trainings I've taken, um, like at, at one time I wanted to be a police officer. I went through yeah. police academy training, and we got to do stuff like simunitions training, uh, running around in a school, you know, mm-hmm. practicing reacting to an active shooter, that type of thing. And I learned that um, a lot of the things that are important in situations like that is like movement and cover. And seeing somebody evaluating. Um, So, like, the shooting problem is, like, doing the actual shooting is not very complicated. And so having a gun that 
that makes it as easy as possible where there's less, I don't know, friction as far as getting the shot broken correctly. That that helps because there's so many other decisions that you're going to be constantly making. And you situation. find that the M&P works better for that, huh? Uh, for seems you. to be. For you. Yeah, for me. I, um, you know, with that, uh, that, that um, HD sight, as I bring it out, you can you can start to track the sight when you're about halfway extended. When you get it out there, the trigger, like it's not a 1911 perfect trigger, but like you just you take the slack off and then pop. And it, and it. Yeah. Well, I'll say this: the 2.0 version of the MMPs, the trigger on those far better than the original MMPs. Would you agree? I think so. Uh, but my original MMP. M&P came from like the Smith & Wesson Pro Shop, so it actually had a Oh, okay, that's too. right. You had the Pro model. I forgot that you said that. You got yeah. the Pro model. Um, and I've, as I've said for years, after 1,000 to 2,000 rounds, most triggers and shooters get better oh, at, yeah. that, at that round count. So uh, what I like about the M&P 2.0 is I like their grip. I like the texture of that grip. Some people think it's kind of aggressive. For me, it, it seems to help me lock that pistol in place better, which therefore assists in a little bit better accuracy. And it doesn't it doesn't shift around in your hands as much. Nope. You know, you get it in there. It's it's in. Um, with mine, the grip was a little a little too much. Where it was where I was doing it concealed carry, it seemed like. The grip was was grabbing onto bits of you know a shirt. Yeah, and uh, that's one know, that problem. Could... Yes. So so what I did is I just I just took some sandpaper and just kind of smoothed uh, it off. A couple passes. It's yeah. still it's still rough, but it's not as uh, it's not rough as sharp. enough. Yeah, it's rough enough. You you, yeah. you grab it. It's not smooth. The original M and P's were they had really smooth grips. Oh, it's like grabbing onto a, a garden hose or something like that. Yeah. You know, really slick. Uh, grabbing onto a wet hose was it was an M&P. Yeah. I mean, and you can you can deal with it, but I I found an old uh, soldering iron uh, yeah. at one point and so I got my the older M&P out and just kind of kind of roughed it up a little bit so it's a little more um, you know, textured. Yeah. So, how many rounds do you got through your compact that you carry? Um, I've probably got, well, probably a few hundred, I'd say. Close. I don't get to shoot as much as I would like. I don't think anybody does, but no. Um, enough that it's it seems to run, um, and it's I haven't you know wouldn't anticipate any problems with an M and P. Okay. I don't know if I have quite a thousand yet through it, but. Kind of working up to that. Okay, what ammo do you carry? The ammo that I carry is usually, well, it's what I can find, and it's usually either um, gold dots or yeah. HST. What you can find and what's yeah, in your hard. budget, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but I like um, I like the 124 grain gold dots or the 124 grain HST. Yeah. But I noticed on this on this. The way the sights are set up on this, it seems to be kind of when you get further away, it seems to be kind of a six o'clock hold. So I wonder if I changed bullet weight, if it might change where the impact of the bullet is. You might so want to try of, the 147s and see how that works. Yeah, and there's a there's an argument that like the bigger, heavier bullet is going to have better 
momentum going through well, someone anyway. Buy a box of 147 grain and buy a box of 115 grain. And yeah. and compare the point of aim, point of impact at certain distances, and you'll find the one that, that works the best. Uh, yeah. I've kind of noticed that with the Trigicon sites. Now, I've got the Trigicon HDs, but I don't have the XR version like you. I have the older version, and I really like those. For iron sights, I think they're well worth the money. Some of the best iron sights you can buy. Oh yeah, they're they're really easy to pick up. The just for people who don't know, the XR the front post is actually skinnier. Yes. And so you can you can see light on either side, and so as you're bringing it up, um, you know you can kind of catch the when you're kind of halfway extended, you can catch that front sight, and then just like drop it right down into the to the rear sight, right as you come to full extension. Is your and, rear sight a U notch? Yeah. Yeah. It's a U-notch. It's yeah. so. It's not like it's not a red dot, but I kind of feel like I'm looking through a window at the front sight, so it kind of feels like a red dot. And then when you're when you're a close range, I found within like five yards or closer in, you know, you can just put the dot on the target, and that's about where the bullet will hit. It's when you really have to aim is about at seven yards. And you experience. you mentioned something earlier about six o'clock hold for the people. Mm-hmm. For the people who are kind of new at carrying and shooting, explain to them what a six o'clock hold is. Okay, so a six o'clock hold, imagine the bullseye on a target and imagine it's like a clock. Yeah. So we want to put a six o'clock hold means we will put the, we line up the top or the front and the rear sights, and we're going to put them right about six o'clock right on here the target. Right here at six o'clock. And then the bullet would impact right in the middle. And so I've noticed that. Uh, when I get out to seven yards or further away to hit like a B8 bullseye, I would have to aim fairly low with the front sight. I was still able to to get it in the middle, but um, it's just something you have to pay attention to when you when you are shooting your guns. You know, you need to, we're not just we're not just throwing bullets out there. We have to put them right where they're going to be most effective. You're 100% correct. Now, this is where an optic comes into being a, a big advantage. All that stuff goes away. Put the re- As long as it's zeroed properly, put the yep. dot on the target, smoothly press the trigger, and that's where the bullet goes. Yep. I, uh, I need to get I'll, – I'll get one someday, I'm sure. <laughs> I had one three years ago. I moved away from it, uh, and probably in two weeks I'll be buying – another optic, putting it back on one of my carry guns. And if all goes well, they'll all have optics on them. Yeah, that's uh, that's an advantage of the optic is they're, they allow, again, it's one of those things, you're taking away friction in the, the shooting process yeah. where you can just put the dot on. Another advantage of the optic, so on my, my Pro, I have like that four-inch barrel that slides a little bit longer, mm-hmm. gives me a good sight radius. Well, on an optic, like sight radius is doesn't like, matter. It, it doesn't matter. It's it's you know from the emitter to the glass. That's the sight radius. That's, you're it right. Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have it on a you know a Glock 34 or or a, a 26. Glock. Yeah, yeah. Or, or even on an M&P shield, um, if you got a good optic on that, right? Sight radius is far less of a factor. Yeah, and it's consistent, and you can you can dial it in exactly where you need to. And put those shots very precisely. 
And the price of optics these days, certain optics, uh, optics. I mean, somebody recommended that I look into uh, one of the Holosun optics, uh, the green dot versions. And, you know, it's like $339. It's, it's, that's nothing really. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, back in the day when, when optics were just starting to become popular, you know, you might pay seven or 800. Now there's so many options for less than $350. It makes sense. Oh yeah. And they, I mean, as long as they work, they work. And one thing about the optic that is an advantage is if you put on your, if you put on new iron sights mm-hmm. and they're not exactly lined up properly, then, you know, unless you have a vice and a hammer and a punch, then you're going to be shooting left or right for the rest of the day. But with an optic, if it's if it's a little bit off, you can you adjust just it, tweak it right there. Yeah, you adjust it and tweak it. All right. So the M&P Compact, that's your primary carry gun. Um, I suppose I should also ask, what's your holster and your belt setup? Okay. So my belt, it's a Wilderness Tactical um, instructor belt. And it's the five stitch. Uh, it's the five stitch. Yeah. I just ordered so a, a little, new one. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to decide if I want to, because I think the Velcro is wearing out on mine. I've had it for a few years. I've um, had mine so about I'm, seven years. Mine, mine yeah. wore out. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to decide if I want to get the one with the, I guess that there's one that has a plastic liner inside. So it's more, more rigid. Yeah. I've noticed that, uh, well, I can still, conceal i've noticed sometimes the belt wants to kind of like bend out a little bit but it's not a huge problem and and where i live i'm not going to you know people aren't going to be calling the cops on me if they see a lump under my shirt like we're in northern utah so (laughs) yeah well and i mean i'm in southern texas and really texans are pretty pretty tolerant if they happen to notice that you have a gun you know uh, a couple months ago i stopped at a gas station to fill up my truck, and I saw a guy double open carrying. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Well, nobody said anything. I, all I said to him was, hey, those are pretty cool. I like those. You know, nice. and that's kind of the way Texans are, too. So would that, instead of the New York reload, would that be the, the South Texas reload? He had, he had um, a large Glock, either something like a... A Glock 17 or a 23, maybe even a 34, on the right hip. And he had a revolver of some kind, carried cross draw, or, yeah, I guess you could call it cross draw, on his left hip. That's the way he was walking around. And he was open carrying both. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So so I've got the, the Wilderness Tactical. I have the... Um, 1.75 inch so yep. it's extra wide we got the inch and, and three quarter yeah inch and three quarter i found that when i was um i was carrying my sig in a um concealment solutions cobra the outside the waistband holster and i found having that having that wider belt added a lot more stability and it kind oh, yeah. of kept it kept it snugged in so um I'm, and i'm like six foot three so yep here you go just to uh, to take care of Jason, my sponsor at at Concealment Solutions, one of my sponsors. Um, this is his uh, Cobra Straight Drop that I carry my uh, Glock 43X in it. So that's what you're using. You're using the Cobra outside the waistband. 
Um, that's what I was using for when I was carrying my SIG. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when I would be and I'd be on the road, um, I would have that. With the M&P, there's a um, someone that I knew from some internet gun forums that started making holsters, a company called Privateer Leather. So I have a nice leather holster for cool. my for my M&P. So good. And and I I carried in um, one of Jason Christensen's the hybrid holsters, the uh, formerly known as the Mamba, but the not Mamba. known as that anymore. <laughs> But um, and I carried in one of those for a long time, and those are those are work great. And even times when I need to be like have a shirt tucked in, I'll pull out the the concealment solutions. But this, uh, I think it's the Buccaneer um, from Privateer Leather. It's very comfortable. Okay. And it and it and it holds onto the gun really well, and it's uh, and it's and it it doesn't bulge out too much even though it is leather it's probably a little thicker than like a kydex holster good but it doesn't it doesn't seem to affect concealment well that's that's the most important thing right there is that you can conceal it and yeah. so the last carry question uh how do you carry your spare magazine or do you i i carry a spare magazine and it's uh i had read early on in my gun carrying career that You've gone through all the trouble to carry a gun. You might as well carry an extra magazine. True. It's it's not that much more effort. And um, in training, in competitions, I've had double feeds with my SIG and the M&P Pro. So I've I've actually had situations that apparently, you know, if, depending on who you ask, like those never happen. But I've had double feeds where you have to get that magazine out and Me clear too. it, put a new one in. So to me, it's like you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost that much. And then I use, uh, the mag holder magazines so it do just I. Sits right up next to the belt buckle. Yeah. And it does, it's not bigger than your belt. It nope. just is there. And it's you carry, so you carry your extra magazine horizontal like I do. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, for a while I had some of Jason's, um, I think they're the venom mag carriers mm-hmm. where the vertical mm-hmm. and those were fine, but, you feel them on your side sometimes. They kind of poke a little bit. Yeah. And just the, uh, just that horizontal one, just right up there on the front. It's just kind of out of the way. And if you're not, you know, skinny as a rail, it's it's you know, if you have a little bit of a stomach, it's it's hidden. It's gone. You can't see it at all. And the mag holders are great. I think Mark Housekeeper started that, right? Yeah. 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 Mark Housekeeper. I was uh, my uh, first. Well, my the Mag Forty class I went in. Mark was there, and he. Oh. He had, uh, I think he was shooting a Kimber, some kind of 1911. So yeah, he brought those in, and those are, it's a good product. Yeah. They have the newer, the newer ones now, where they, instead of just the tension of the plastic, they have that little clip in there, and it just your magazine just snaps right in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the new, the newer clips that are separated out instead of that monoblock. Yeah. Like. When I when I'm changing belts, it it takes quite a bit of finagling to get that off. Yeah. So it's it's not you don't have to worry about like oh is it going to slip off randomly during the day like it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's really cool is you know magholder.com, you can get those. You can also get them at concealmentsolutions.com. Uh, and I I just think I love the I love that method of carrying an extra uh, magazine horizontal because it just seems 
It seems to make sense, and it's so much more comfortable and concealable. You mentioned earlier, if you're going to go through the trouble of carrying a gun, well, I'll take that a step further. If you're going to go through the trouble to conceal a gun, you might as well carry your extra magazine in the most concealed and efficient manner as well, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people, when they don't conceal, when they don't carry a magazine, I think a lot of it is like comfort. It's, uh, you know, for whatever reason, stuffing it in their pants, you know, having having two. For me, I've tried having, you know, the gun and the magazine inside the waistband. Yeah. It seems like there's not a lot of belt contacting my body. Yeah. It's not. So I think people might get frustrated with that. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of people don't want to change the way they dress too much when they're carrying no. a gun. No. And, and that's, you know, that's fine. But. The genius of the the mag holder is that it's just it's just there and you don't think about it. It's not any bigger than your belt. So I mean, and I've actually noticed, Dave. For me, it's a little faster to get that magazine out because I carry that horizontal. Um, I use that mag holder horizontal carrier at about let's see. You were talking about a clock, so I put it on my left side. That would be about ten, ten to ten thirty on the clock position and I can get the magazine out faster that way than I can reaching back on my hip. What about you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty fast. Um, having it on my hip, it's, uh, it's easy to get out, but it's the, the easiest way to do that on your hip is if you have like a duty belt. Yeah. Safari, Safari land makes these cool mag holders where the, the bullet tips actually face straight out from your body. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't know, it seems more ergonomic, but um, as far as carrying concealed, it's just, you know, we, a lot of people have proven with appendix carry that being able to get to stuff that's in the front is a little bit faster. You know, it's, you have to go to here instead of having to go back. And so being able to just pop the shirt and just strip that mag out. Exactly. Then it's, it's ready to go. You can just pop it in your gun and, do what you need to do, or if you're, you know, you're having to clear a malfunction, you let that magazine drop, and you can just stick that new one in there really quick. Absolutely. Again, make it easy for yourself. Yeah. You mentioned one one last thing I want to mention. Um, a, little, a few minutes ago, you talked about you had a double feed, and you've had double feeds in in the guns. You know, so often I either see on the internet or I hear people say. My guns never malfunctioned. And to that I would say, if you have a gun, any gun, even a revolver, less likely with a revolver, but if you have a gun, a semi-automatic gun, that is not malfunctioned, you probably need to shoot it more. Yeah, I would say so. If you, I mean, it's it's a machine. It has moving parts, right? Yeah. And there's, there's friction points on... Uh, I had a couple of double feeds on my on my SIG, and I was kind of puzzling over it. And then I realized I can't remember the last time I had cleaned under the extractor hook. Oh, okay. That's the case. So I got a you know toothbrush and cleaned that out. It seemed to seemed to help. It could also be that the spring that's putting tension on that extractor could be could be worn out and could be, weak. be replaced. Right. But like things things happen, and I've heard. Uh, you know, very experienced policemen like Chuck Haggard, Daryl Bolke, they talk about how semi-automatics in real-world shootings 
where maybe you don't have the ideal stance always, mm-hmm. they malfunction more than you would think that they would. That is correct. That is you correct. You need to be prepared for that. And uh, I think it's like, again, it's, it doesn't cost anything to have an extra mag. And uh, some of the, you know, the malfunction clearance that I learned at the police academy that seems to be pretty reliable for my guns was wow. you, you know, you get your double feed, you do the tap rack just as a reflex because maybe that'll fix it. Once you realize the double feed, you hold down the mag release and then just run, run the slide, you know, three times. That should let the magazine go throughout the bullets and then you would need to put a new magazine in there. And Malfunction I've, I've, clearing is is the most often reason that you need an extra magazine. Yeah. And I've, I've heard some people say that all you need to do, you know, if it's a malfunction, you can just pull the magazine out and that'll load the round that's in there. Then you can put it back in and it's like, maybe. Maybe. I, I would worry that when you pull it out to let that extra round drop out, what if you don't do it enough and then you've got an extra round inside the magazine well shoved up there and then your magazine falls out it, like just get rid of the mag and put another one in get rid of the mag it's like it's maybe it's not as fast necessarily but it's reliable and like getting the gun back in the fight if you need to like your day has gone really really bad it's gone <laughs> bad anyway hasn't it you have to reload but you know yeah. getting that back in there is like what you have to do so yeah that's great possible well dave thank you very much this has been this has been great i'm glad to finally after all these years have you on the show oh yeah and it's uh it's great i want to do this again and uh reach out to me if if you change up what you carry because the viewers and listeners might want to know if you make some changes in some things sure i have some plans for the future to get a um for a while, I had a car CM9 that I was carrying as a little pocket gun. Yeah. And I also got it because it's a lower capacity, and sometimes my job would take me into California. I wouldn't be concealed carrying in California, but I would want to conceal carry to and from. And I can't bring, you know, 13 to 15 round magazines in, which is, is dumb, but I don't want to be the test case, right? Right, right. You don't want to so do that. I had that as a little pocket gun. Um, and I sold it to my brother, and he he was small enough now that he can he carries it. He was carrying a one of those M and P nine Cs, so not the compact, but the original, the one that's bigger than a twenty six, but smaller than a Glock. Yeah, 19. the original M and P nine C. Yeah, and it's and he felt that was a little thick for him. The little car was a little more convenient, but I was thinking about getting another pocket gun. Getting like a Smith and Wesson 642. Yes, uh, those are nice. And uh, there's some there's some good arguments for having a revolver in your pocket. Um, as oh, far yes. as street encounters, you know, you can have a really fast draw if you've already got the firing grip on, and you can just you know pop it out. And I'd like to make a recommendation. Um, if you're going to get a Smith and Wesson 642. Pay just a little extra money and get the performance center model. The okay. trigger is outstanding on it. it. And it also looks cool, but one of the big criticisms of J-frame revolvers is that they got horrible triggers. Yeah. 
not the Smith and Wesson 642 Performance Center. It's got a beautiful. And I Smith and Wesson doesn't sponsor me. They didn't pay me to say this. Yeah. I just own one, and it's a great trigger. Okay. Well, I will keep that in mind. Just keep it in mind. Compare, yeah. uh, price shop them. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> that might be a thing in the future. Yeah. And see if I can figure out doing pocket carry a little bit more. The time when I would pocket carry that CM9, like, man, it's convenient. It is so. Oh, yeah. It is, it is so easy to just drop it, that thing in your pocket. And it's no harder to carry the 642 revolver than it is the, the CM9. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you're right. You're right about the uh, revolvers. There's a there's a time, a place, and a use for those. Yeah, I think uh, you know someone like Daryl Bulky that, that you may shoot out and like your limit is like seven yards with one of those. But like if you can be a ninja within those seven yards, then it's a very viable weapon. <laughs> That's true. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, you donated your time, and I appreciate you doing that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I want to close by letting everybody know. Please take care of my sponsors, Concealment Solutions. We talked about them today. They make excellent outside the waistband and inside the waistband holsters. They're one of them. Handgun World gives you a 10% discount. And also for all you appendix carriers out there, the leader in appendix carry, the authorities, are Keepers Concealment. Spencer Keepers has been on this show many times. Um, I have two of his holsters. You can get a 10% discount using the, the coupon code HandgunWorld there as well. So, Dave, thanks again. I appreciate it. And uh, remember, shoot straight, shoot safe, and read your Bible every day. Will do. Thanks, Dave. Have a great one. Thanks. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate your time. And I'd like to do it again. That was very informative. I hope you got a lot out of that. If you like what you hear on this show and your heart is felt led to support my show, I have a Patreon page for as little as $3 a month. There are very good videos and very good podcasts on there. And I'm adding new ones all the time. Support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash handgunworld. And there will be a link in the show notes for that as well concealment solutions we talked about is another sponsor please take care of them if you need a good inside the waistband or outside the waistband holster and the same coupon code handgun world gets you 10 percent off so i think everybody who likes mp pistols probably just liked this interview mp pistols are fantastic and i think that the mp pistol is probably Besides Glock, probably the longest-running, highest-quality, most popular pistol. I know that there's a lot of Springfield XD fans, and a lot of people shoot Springfield XDs. Those are fine pistols as well. If I remember correctly, the, the Smith & Wesson M&P and the Springfield XD, they came out around the same time as each other. And between those two, just my personal preference... I enjoy shooting and carrying an M&P a little bit more, and especially the Shield versions, the M&P Shields, the originals, the Shield 2.0s, and now the Shield Plus. Uh, fantastic lines of pistols. And the M&P 2.0 Compact that Dave talked about, thats I think it's probably the smoothest shooting 9mm semi-automatic pistol that I've ever had a chance to to shoot uh, and I, I just 
to all of you who have that pistol, you have a very fine handgun. Even if you've got the shield, the smaller version, they are fine handguns, and I think uh, they serve people very well. So that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for, again for tuning in. Remember, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you again next week. Goodbye.